0: Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Wednesday, the 10th of April, 2013. Today we are reading from the Big Book and the Doctor's Opinion on page XXVII, the bottom line. And today's readers are The Twelve Steps. Rose, The Twelve Traditions, Margaret, and then Michelle, Sharon, Fran, and Judy B. And the share code for yesterday, Tuesday, April 9th, was 4244. 4244. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, People who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Rose to read the 12 steps.
1: Good morning, Monica. This is Rose, compulsive overeater from New York. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, and the power to carry that out 12 having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs pass
0: thank you rose i will now ask margaret k to read the 12 traditions please
2: good morning monica good morning vision for you this is margaret Compulsive overeater from South Jersey. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted service they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has the one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, thus problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group to be fully self-supporting declining outside
3: contributions.
2: Eight, overeaters anonymous should remain forever non-professional but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA is such would never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, O-Readers Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name would never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, NAPF.
0: Thank you, Margaret. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share We are sharing what the directions in the Big Book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be me- should be muted. And today we will resume our study of the Big Book. We're in the doctor's opinion on the bottom of page XXVII, and we are starting with that last line, of course an alcoholic ought. And I will ask Michelle to begin reading.
3: Good morning, Monica. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Michelle, recovered compulsive overeater in Missouri. Of course an alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical craving for liquor, and this often requires a definite hospital procedure before psychological measures can be of maximum benefit. Uh, well, this is a short paragraph, but a, a power-packed paragraph. Uh, this was something that um, I needed to learn. That you know, I couldn't continue to try to work um, these twelve steps unless I had first surrendered, and I needed to be freed from that physical craving. I needed to surrender those key uh, ingredients that were. Found in my binge foods that triggered me that triggered that phenomenon of craving that we've already um, been reading about in this chapter and you know page, the bottom of page 22 really describes that uh, phenomenon of craving it says once he takes any alcohol whatever into his system something happens both in the bodily and mental sense which makes, which makes it virtually impossible to stop and, and then it goes on down in further on 23. Therefore, the main problem of the alcoholic centers in the mind rather than in his body. But first, to get to that, um, that mental obsession where you know, the, the main part of my disease resides and these 12 steps can be of maximum service or maximum benefit um, to me to become recovered, I have to be separated from my binge foods, those key ingredients. For me, that was sugar, that was wheat, flour, fat, salt, those things I had to identify, and I couldn't have those whatever. I had to be freed from those. Um, it says that the alcoholic often required a definite hospitalization procedure. Well, for me, um, you know, the alcoholic would go through withdrawal. For me, I also went through withdrawal. Um, I would often, you know, when I was slipping, sliding back, and I, before I was recovered, I would start and I would stop. I would start and I would stop. I couldn't stay stopped. And I would warn my husband, okay, I'm going to go through withdrawal. You know, I'm going to be irritable. Stay away from me. Um, And, yeah, I needed to, um, you know, uh, be aware and let others be aware. But I needed to be separated. And what finally separated me once and for all was when I got desperate, when when I was sick and tired of being sick and tired, and by the grace of God. By the grace of God. I wasn't hospitalized, but by God's graces, Um, I was a couple of days freed from my physical craving, separated from my food, my binge foods, and I found myself at a three-day big book study in a um, separated, Um, it was of sorts of hospitalization for me because I was surrounded by uh, people in the fellowship and who were serious about recovery and who were recovered. But that had to happen. That had to happen before the, the psychological measures, and that's these steps, these principles. Um, steps four through nine, the action steps, can be of maximum benefit so that I can have that spiritual awakening. I, am, I need a power greater than myself. I am powerless. I am powerless. And I have a twofold disease, that of the body, the physical craving from which I need to be separated from before my mind is clear. And I can um, work these steps. And, and that psychological um, benefit can happen for me and be of maximum benefit, maximum benefit, so that channel to my higher power can be cleared because it certainly was clogged. It was clogged with food. It was clogged with self and self-will. And that is the first most very important step that needs to be taken. Uh, It is the foundation. It is important. It is not to be glossed over. It is not possible. If anyone thinks that it is possible to continue to stay in the food or slip and slide around, um, in the food back and forth and continue on to these steps, it, it, it wasn't possible for me. And I've heard from many recovered people that it wasn't possible for them. So this is a, a very important short paragraph here. Um, and I, I needed to embrace this. I needed to believe it with my whole heart that I could not continue on unless I was free from that physical craving because, um, I don't know about you, but for me, when I was in the disease and when that phenomenon of craving was there, that's all I was thinking about. Um, My thinking was not clear. I couldn't embrace the concepts of this program nor be free enough for um, my higher power, um, for, for me to have a relationship with a higher power. And thanks for letting me share. I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Michelle. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Rose. Yes, Monica, and Penny E. I heard Rose and then Penny E.
4: Thank you.
1: Thank you, Monica. Um, I'm Rose, a compulsive reader from New York. And as I was listening to um, uh, Michelle just now, God Almighty, the impact of um, this paragraph. Of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical craving for liquor. This often requires a definite hospital procedure before psychological measures. The steps can be of maximum benefit. And gosh, as, I was, as I was listening to M- Michelle, all that she said, it was flooding in on me. Why I never could absorb what was in this book, and and why I never had thoroughly or sufficiently uh worked the steps even though I had done step work. Why it never worked for and I'd at first when I would mention this it would I would say for thirty nine years, but thirty nine years in OA not abstinent. And thanks to God's grace and the program exactly as it's outlined in this book, it is like uh, so lucid at this moment that I couldn't absorb what was in the book, the instructions for recovery. I couldn't take the steps while telling myself I was abstinent, but eating foods that were binge foods. I was drunk. Essentially, it doesn't matter how how much drunk I was, I was drunk. and But the power of this, um, forgive me, but it's really, I find it overwhelming that even after that many years in um, restless, irritable discontent, that many years in lying, that many years in telling myself I'm recovered in other fellowships, and for whatever reason i told myself that something in regards to recovering from compulsive overeating obviously it was lying and then last may i became abstinent and the and and the the the, the um, floodgates opened up to working the 12 steps and to reading this book with another recovered um, person in the program, and it all changed around. And I'm, I'm sitting. Forgive me, I'm talking a little too slowly, but I'm just sitting here saying to myself, "Rose, get on your knees, girl, and thank God that this this piece of information from this chapter that until I was separated." from the substances that made me drunk that I had an allergy to and a tremendous mental obsession for until I was separated physically from those substances, no wonder I never got the program. Thank you, Monica. With that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Rose. Penny E., go ahead.
4: Thank you, Monica. Good morning, everybody. Penny E., a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Powerful little paragraph. Clear-cut directions. You know, if we were sitting across the table from Bill and Bob, the founders, the people who put this book together, you know, and they said to us, if you want to stop eating, if you want to stop eating, you have to put the food down first, before you can be approached with the 12-step program of recovery. Would we sit there and say, ah, uh -uh. no, no, I I know that I can probably use the steps first and then get abstinent? Sounds ludicrous, right? Well, that's what we in OA have done. This book says clearly on that last sentence, of course, an alcoholic ought, of course, of course, there is no... Uh, exception, there is no argument, there is no discussion, of course, of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical craving for liquor uh, before, before. What part of before don't we understand? Before psychological measures can be of maximum benefit. I want maximum benefit. I mean, I want the whole ball of wax, whatever that means, I want it. clear-cut directions, and as if this wasn't enough on this page, it was, re- it was already stated for us on the opposite page, XXVI. It says, more often than not, it is imperative. What part of a word of imperative don't we understand? That a man's brain be cleared before he is approached. We can't change the recipe. If I want to get from Florida to to Maine, I have to follow the direction. I can't start making lefts and rights. I'll end up in California. I won't get to where I want to go. Clear-cut directions that we, we don't need to discuss. Our OA literature, actually, and for those of us on the phone, those of you who have been around for a long time and have been under the impression that you can get abstinent by working the steps first, it's really, uh, I, don't, I don't want to say it's not your fault, but the OA literature says that in black and white. It has changed the original information from this book, our inheritance. It's amazing. So um, I'm just grateful that I know how to follow a recipe. Compulsive overeater that I am, I don't like to mess up uh, recipes. I love you all. Have a God-filled day. Thanks.
0: Thanks, Penny. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph?
4: Good morning. It's Leah.
0: Good morning, Leah. Go ahead.
4: Hey good morning,
5: Good uh, morning. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I, too, wanted to jump in on this one because it's a point that really needs to be stressed in Overeaters Anonymous. And the language, you know, of course. I mean, it would be ridiculous to think that an alcoholic could embark upon the spiritual journey while he's still drinking alcohol. I mean, that would sound absurd to each and every one of us, I'm sure. But for some reason, uh, you know, in Overeaters Anonymous, in in many meetings, you know, that's common practice. Um, And as was previously stated, even the literature uh, suggests that idea. I mean, personally, uh, those types of meetings – you know, in OA, gave me enough rope to hang myself. It says, of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical craving for liquor. And here we come across craving. It's a very specific word in the text here. The only way an alcoholic can crave alcohol is to first put it in his system. Then the phenomenon of craving develops, and then we can't stop and we and in the alcoholic's case he ends up drunk and sick. So again, it says of course an alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical craving for liquor, which means I need to identify what those substances are. For the alcoholic, it's not a complicated process. He's allergic to alcohol. Now, alcohol can be found in many varieties Uh, you know, whether it's gin or whiskey or a bottle of beer or perhaps the perfume in his uh, bathroom cabinet. Um, But it's, it's a simple process, alcohol. For the compulsive overeater, it's a little bit more complicated. There may be numerous substances that you're allergic to. That was my case. There were numerous substances that I was allergic to things that perhaps you're not allergic to, things that perhaps are looked at as very healthy items. But there is a physical sensation that occurs when I ingest those items. It's as if a switch goes off and I want more and more of that substance. That that feeling intensifies and never gets satisfied. It's as if any amount of that substance in my body is like taking a match and throwing it in uh, in a bucket of gasoline whoosh so it's all those substances that have to be eliminated i have to put those foods down so to speak uh and this often requires a definite hospital procedure and that was the case for me i definitely was hospitalized because i needed that uh five years in oa five years of progression in this disease um on, on top of the other years of progression, I needed to be hospitalized. That was my case. Before psychological measures can be of maximum benefit. Before. We haven't even started the program yet once the food is down. It's just that we can't serve two gods at once. Either I'm serving and bowing to the demands of a disease that is relentless, or I'm going to bow to... A higher power who will deliver me from the quicksand. But I can't bow to both at once. I have to make a choice. So it's very clear here, and this often requires a definite hospital procedure before twofold illness, allergy of the body, which is the substances that I just described, that whole realm of this allergic reaction. We are wired a different way, we are bodily different from other people. That is a disability, that's true. But I had to accept that. And obsession of the mind before psychological measures can be of maximum benefit. Once those foods are down, once those binge foods are eliminated, the most dangerous part of my illness rears its head. It's when I'm not binging because I'm thinking about binging. So the the urgency and the necessity for the psychological measures, and we know them as the steps, we know them as the personality change, the spiritual awakening, that is going to be sufficient to bring about recovery. So it's a very short line here, but very powerful, important to stress here. And with that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph?
6: Could you please tell me what page
0: you're on and what paragraph? Um, We are on page XXVII, the very last line. Thank you. And I heard someone wanting to speak. And who was that?
4: That would be Paula. This is
3: Janice.
0: Paula, and who else?
2: This is Janice.
0: Okay, Paula and Janice, and I heard one other person. Okay, Paula, go ahead and then Janice, and we'll get back to the other one.
7: Thank you. I just wanted to look at that word, and I know we've looked at it over and over again, but that word, a course, it it's, says it so simply. A course is a, a plan of action, the way you need to go. Okay, the course is this is first, then this is next. And I kept thinking as they were reading, of course an alcoholic ought to be freed from His physical, I mean, just craving for liquor. I was just thinking, when why? Well, because you don't talk to a drunk while he's drunk. Let me tell you, when I was in my binge, and when I was in my food, or it was in me, or let me tell you, that mighty force, the combination of both. I couldn't hear what you said, honey. I would nod my head in agreement. But there was no clue there, and I would walk away. The course must be followed, and the course is set in these words and in the big book. There is no other way. I tried. Well, if I eat a little bit less, but you know it will always overtake you. Always. So I followed the course, and here I am. Thank you for allowing me to share with that. I do pass. Thank you,
0: Paula. Janice, go ahead.
2: Good morning, Monica.
7: Good morning,
2: Vision for You. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. This paragraph, as everyone's been sharing, just reminds me so clearly of what it's like to get clean, of what it's like to get clean. You know, why hospitalization? Why Why does this paragraph, it often requires a definite hospital procedure because those alcoholics were of course very very affected physically by their drinking because they were drinking and drinking and drinking and their bodies their bodies were affected. Well I don't know about you but I know about my compulsive overeating and my body was definitely affected. My mind, absolutely obsessing about the food, absolutely linked and could not think sometimes about anything but the food. But what about my body? You know, why a definite hospital procedure? And why do I think it's just as true for us as compulsive overeaters? Because we go through withdrawal. We go through withdrawal. It is a physical disease as well because it affects our bodies. So when we're getting clean, we're gonna have that the manifestations of that physical disease. We're gonna feel what it feels like to come off a substance. And so I I and and the other thing that I was so aware of is that one of my other triggers was volume. It might not be the food itself, but it was the quantities of the food. Even when my binge foods weren't available, sometimes I binged on quantities of food that other people would think, well, you know, that's a pretty healthy food. So it was a complicated, complex disease at work in my body as well as my mind. So I always tell people as they're getting abstinent, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised that you are going to have physical manifestations of what it means to come down, to come off of, just like any other addict their substance. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Janice. Would anyone else like to share? Lois, go ahead.
8: Good morning, everyone. Yes, I I, <clears throat> I wanted to comment on this. Um, at the first time I, I I went into OA and I put down the foods that that I that I was allergic to. Totally, I threw them down. I, I cried. I cried for about two weeks. I, re, I was very frightened. I thought I was having a nervous breakdown, and I just couldn't stop crying, you know. And I knew, you know, I knew that the depth of which the food had a hold on me. And, and what surprised me at that time, does not surprise me now, was, you know, that the physical allergy was taken care of, and I did have severe physical symptoms. Um, that my mind, the obsession of my mind, was still at work and alive, and um, and was able to always make it okay for me to pick up the food again. It it always the food always made it okay in my mind. My mind made it okay for me to pick up the food every now and then to see how much I could get away with for years and years you know and and I too am, am amazed and very grateful you know when we study this book and in recovery and to learn about you know the power of this disease thank you that that's all I'm going to share thank you very much I pass
0: thank you Lois this is Monica and I am going to jump Let's into share. this also um of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical craving for liquor, and this often requires a definite hospital procedure. And so they're telling us here, we, like everyone has been saying, is we have an allergy to certain foods. And each one of us, there's, you know, we have our own individual things, and we have an allergy to them. We have this allergy today, we have this allergy tomorrow, and we're going to have this allergy for the rest of our lives. So we have to identify what these foods are that we are allergic to and put them down completely. We can't have any because it sets off the allergy, the abnormal reaction, the craving, the phenomenon of craving, which we're going to read about in the next, sentence, in the next paragraph here, and off we go and we cannot think like other people have been saying we cannot think when we are drunk and also this little paragraph um, gives me information that as a sponsor I need to be aware that some people may need further treatment they may need the help of a treatment center and it's always important to keep that in mind and would anyone else like to share on this paragraph before we move on here?
6: Hi, it's David in Montreal.
0: Go ahead, David.
6: I would like to uh, throw in my two cents here um, because I'm working with a recovered sponsor, and in a different <clears throat> excuse me in a different group, a recovered sponsor, and he had told me uh, to work through the steps, which we did, and spiritually. Uh, I'm doing amazing Um, and he said to me the abstinence will come um, as you work through the steps and especially step 12 working with others and uh, definitely I did feel the spiritual awakening and for a while the abstinence did come but then I picked up the food again and um, my sponsor told me um, you know, maybe you should get some more sponsors and work with some more people. And I, I definitely heard what he was saying, um, but I just didn't see it happening. And uh, I heard um, Penny before, and I heard I think it was Christina yesterday. People said, "Put the food. You got to put the food down." And um, I think that's just what it is. You you, you just got to put the food down. It's not going to happen from working the steps. Um, the spiritual the spiritual part definitely grows, but it's not a diet program and you just gotta put the food down. And I'm saying it from first hand experience. And with that I pass.
0: Thank you, David. Okay, let's move on to the next paragraph. And Sharon, would you read please?
1: Good
2: morning. This is Sharon. Recovered from overeater. Very grateful to you be on the line this morning. Okay. Now I got so caught up in listening that I lost my place here.
0: We believe on XXVIII.
2: (laughs) Okay. We believe and so suggested a few years ago that the action of alcohol on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy that the phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average temperate drinker. These alcoholic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. And once having having formed the habit and found that they cannot break it, once having lost their self-confidence, their reliance upon things human, their problems pile up on them and become astonishingly difficult to solve. Oh my gosh! What a paragraph! What there's a lot here. Looking at the, the first, we believe, and so suggested a few years ago. This is the beginning. It was a a, a few years referring to of recovery began a few years ago they suggested and that's how it began when they began to understand the action of alcohol on chronic alcoholics understanding that it is an allergy there is a physical reaction that cannot there is no way of controlling it There's no medical way of curing it. It is, there is a physical allergic reaction. The only way to deal with that allergic reaction is to stay away from the thing that you're allergic to. Now, I remember many years ago having a conversation with someone that was itching. And I said, What's the problem? And she said, I'm allergic to oranges. And I ate an orange. And I remember looking at her like, You are crazy. Why would you eat the orange if you're allergic to it? And then I spent all of this time scratching scratching at the time I didn't realize can happen that I'm a person just like her and for me I am actually scratch test allergic to certain foods wheat dairy sully but my addict mind will tell me a little bit won't hurt. I eat it and I get arthritic symptoms, I get asthmatic symptoms, and I do it over and over and over again. And the only cure for me is total abstinence. The the other thing that I have that this paragraph reminds me of is in chapter 3, page 30, where where it says, we are convinced to a man that alcoholics of our type are in the grip of a progressive illness. Over any considerable period, we get worse, never better. We are like men who have lost their legs. I have to accept that. But I often, when I, am in my, when I was in my disease, I would go around like I could walk like a normal person, yet I am like a person who has lost their legs. And I am never going to grow new ones. Acceptance is the solution to my problem with my food addiction. Acceptance that I have this problem. And you know what? It's okay because there's a solution. It's okay because I can strap on those artificial legs. And when I put on my artificial legs, I can get around, I can move around, I can maneuver. I can live life as if normal. As long as I don't eat what I'm allergic to. As long as I stay away from the things I'm allergic to, I can live like a normal person. Now, the other point that I want to make is this, la- in this last sentence. It just stands out. Their reliance upon things, human. This is when we eat that bite, when we take that first bite. It's not, see, we're different. I'm different than that person who ate, eats the orange, and itches, and then moves on. For me, my addiction causes me to lose control of the choice to eat the orange or not. You see, I, if I take that first, when I take that first bite, I will eat that orange and itch until my skin is raw because I am an addict. I, I am not like a crazy person who just decides. Well, I would like to eat this orange, I know I'm and then I won't have another orange for year. No, I lose control. I don't have a choice on when to take that first bite. Once I take that first bite, I lose control, and not only does it affect me physically, where I get allergic, I get asthma, I'm in and out of the emergency room, health declines, I can't work. All of a sudden, my problems pile up and become astonishingly difficult to solve. I don't know how to get off of this roller coaster. It goes on and on and on. I'm captive. I'm in a cage. I'm on this merry-go-round I'm that never ends. And it's astonishingly difficult. And once I stopped, once I stopped, taking that first bite. Once I stopped, once I started on this program of recovery, those problems that were astonishingly difficult to overcome and to solve, miraculously, miraculously began to unfurl. The problems began to solve by magic. And I began to recover. And... And it hasn't stopped. And I continue to recover as long as I don't take that first bite. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone like to share on this paragraph? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead.
2: Good morning, Monica. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And how rich the sharing is this morning. So we're talking about this allergy. It says that action of alcohol on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy. And we've talked very beautifully about an allergy being an abnormal reaction. That what the food does for us as compulsive overeaters is not what it does for other people. That my reaction is different. It's saying, you know, that phenomenon of craving, that feeling that once you ingest that substance, you become less satisfied with every single bite, which explains why that ease and comfort comes at the first couple bites, and then when you're three and four bags into it, you're becoming less and less satisfied. That's the phenomenon of craving. And the phenomenon of craving is limited, limited to this class. So what we experience as compulsive readers is not what the normal person experiences. It says this never occurs in the average temperate drinker. These allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. And that word temperate, back in the 1930s, they had what they called a temperance society. Now what temperate means, I looked that word up, it says showing moderation or self-restraint. Because they thought the problem isn't that these alcoholics drink. The problem is that they get drunk. So how can we stop these, out, these people who drink from getting drunk? And I know that's what I wanted. I didn't think the problem was that I ate. The problem was that I binged. So I came in wanting for you to teach me how to eat moderately. How can I be a temperate drinker, a temperate eater? And that's what conventional diet programs show people. Look at your fist. If, if the palm of your hand is, is the size of a protein serving. Make a fifth. That's the size of a a starch serving. They're they're trying to explain to someone who has an allergy how to eat like they do who do not have an allergy, which is why conventional diet programs work for people who do not have our problems, that do not have the allergy to the body, the obsession of the mind. But what I have to recognize is I am not a temperate eater. I am not a normal eater. I have this allergic reaction to food. And it is limited to this class. It is limited to people who have this twofold disease. You know, Christy talked yesterday about the fact that, you know, that the, the food talked to her and her psychiatrist thought that was crazy. I had to giggle because what I, what I remember is that my food danced. I don't know if you remember when you were kids and before the movie started in the movie theater they would have an advertisement for the concession stand and the hot dog would have legs and they'd be doing a rocket kick thing and they would have cupcakes and they'd be doing the Chevy Chase and what's the they got? Is it doing the twist. That's what food did for me. The food danced in front of me. It called my name. That is not the experience of a a regular eater, which is why they say, "Just push yourself away from the table. Just have half." They don't understand what it means to crave food, because craving only happens once we ingest it. That's the allergic reaction of a compulsive overeater. For someone who is not a compulsive overeater, crave means they remember last year having outset Aunt Sally's apple pie. And they can't wait till they have it this year, that one time. That is a normal person's definition of craving. We have to be very clear what an allergy is in the context of a doctor's opinion. We have to be very clear about what a craving means in the context of a doctor's opinion. And we have to be very clear, and I'll read it again, that this phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average temperance drinker. These allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph?
2: This is Paula.
0: I'd like to
9: say something. My name is Darilyn.
0: Paula, and then who? Darilyn. Yeah. Paula first, and then Darilyn. This is Becky. Thank and you. And then Becky.
7: Thank you. This is Paula, recovered compulsive. I just want to scoot down to the bottom in this word, and the word is lost. So here we are, truly, I guess that would be closing in on the bottom, wouldn't it? Having lost their self-confidence. And see, that's it. And what does lost mean? No longer possessed or retained, no longer to be found, having gone astray or bewildered as to a place or direction. That's it. This wasn't where I wanted to go. This wasn't where I wanted to go when I picked up. But this is where I always ended up. I was always lost. How the heck did I get here? How could this be? And I lost my self-confidence. Well, I'll try this. Oh, that would work for a while. Oh, no, no, let me try this one. Yeah, that'll work for a while too. But after failure upon failure, there was no more confidence. I lost confidence in self. And my reliance upon things human. And it said, their problems pile up on them. And they do. And become astonishingly difficult to solve. Why? They weren't horrendous problems. They were problems that everybody else had. But the way I couldn't eat or drink like somebody else did, I couldn't solve my problems like someone else did. Once I had ingested this, I could. Be, it became so big and so huge. Somebody else they would would say, "Well, well, gee, what's your problem? What's my problem?" And there it is. There it is. And that pot upon things human. If my reliance was upon things human, I would stay lost. Thank you for allowing me to share with that. I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Daryl Lynn, go ahead.
9: Hi, my name is Daryl and I'm in relapse. I've been in program, I don't know, 11, 12 years, and I'm lost. And I have lost my self-confidence. As a matter of fact, I'm supposed to be at my meeting now, and I was running late, and I don't even want to be seen outside. I'm, I gained 20 pounds, and, of course, it's all about me. And every day I wake up and I think this is, you know, I pray and I ask, but now I'm at the point where I just am so anxious to get a day behind me. And if I didn't work, I think I would stay at home and eat all day. It is unbelievable what happens. I don't want to be doing this, and then I'm doing it. I'm just eating, and it's mostly nighttime. And I really, my family really needs me to be present now. And as I always did, and I've gone through worse times in my really hard times, perfectly abstinent, and I can't seem to, like, I can't, it's just, I don't know, maybe today the miracle will happen again, but I'm really, really, really struggling, and it's an awful place to be. It's just like this, it's its own hell, this eating thing. Okay, thank you.
0: Thank you, Joanne. Becky? Would you like to go ahead?
2: This is Becky. Good morning, everyone. I, I, what really resonates with me is this sentence. These allergic types can never safely use alcohol. Can never. This is a, a big book. It's our textbook. And here is a doctor, a famous doctor who has worked with many, many folks. And the doctor is telling us, and not you can sometimes use it or or say use it every once in a while or at holidays or whatever. It says here we can never safely use alcohol. In our case, food with sugar or flour, whatever it might be. We, at least me as a compulsive overeater, We're hard-headed. We're stubborn. And part of that is our twofold disease, the mental obsession. You know, I always want a softer, easier way. Well, here it is in black and white. We can never safely use this substance because of the phenomenon of craving and it it will spiral out of control and as it says here in the the last sentence we will be lost our self-confidence will be lost everything it will spiral out of control we can never and even after people have recovered that's why this is a daily reprieve it's a daily reprieve Each and every day, one day at a time, we wake up, we have to apply program principles in not only to putting the food down, but in all of our affairs. That's why we can never safely use this substance again. So uh, with that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Becky. This is Monica, and I'm going to jump in on this paragraph. This is a power-packed information here, and this paragraph is trying to teach us who we are and what we're up against. Dr. Silkworth here had spent years and treated thousands of alcoholics, and he's the one who came up with this, that we had a two-fold disease. And here we're talking about the physical aspect of our disease that I am a compulsive overeater and if I pick up a binge food, and a binge food is any type of food that I am allergic to, and that means I have an abnormal reaction when I pick up that binge food. I have an abnormal reaction that a normal person does not have. Something is different in me. It sets off this abnormal reaction and I crave you know a normal eater can have a bite or two of something and then they're full they've had enough you know I could never imagine that I couldn't understand that well I'm in the opposite they can't understand me why I have to have four or five pieces and I still want more but that's my allergy that's the phenomenon of craving that if I take one bite of a food that I am allergic to, it's going to set off this craving and I am going to crave. I'm going to intensely want more. You know, I would pick up a binge food and I would, you know, it would set it off and I didn't care about anything, anybody. All I wanted was to eat more, more, more. One bite is never enough in a thousand, you know, one, one bite is too much and a thousand was never enough. And that's because I'm different. And we have to realize this and understand this. It's a fact. This is the way I've been made. And so I must, I must know exactly what my binge foods are. And I must put them down. Because no matter um, how, you know, one bite is too many. It's going to set off this phenomenon of craving and I'm going to be a crazy woman back in the food, back in a binge, and wondering how did I get there. It was because I picked up that first bite. I set off that roller coaster. Um, and this never occurs in the average temperate drinker. Normal people do not have this abnormal reaction. And that's why they cannot understand us and they will never understand us because they don't. But this is where it's also helpful to us because one compulsive overeater can understand this and can talk to another compulsive overeater. And so we can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. So the first thing you have to do is you have to identify your binge foods. And they're personal to each one of us. It could be sugar, it could be flat, it could be flour, it could be salt, it could be crunchy, it could be smooth. Somebody mentioned volume. There's a lot of different things there. It's not just sugar and flour. And we need to be aware of those things. And um, so... This paragraph is really giving us some information here. Dr. Silkworth, thank God for Dr. Silkworth that he came up with this and he understood this after studying alcoholics for years, that we, yes, did have a disease, we did have a physical reaction to our binge foods. And would anyone else like to share on this before we close?
5: This is Leah. Good morning, Leah. Go ahead, Leah. And then Janice. Thank you very much. We believe in so suggested a few years ago, again, who is this written by? This is written by Dr. William Silkworth. And this whole breakthrough came through because he was able to divide this force of ours, of the alcoholics, into two separate drives. Uh, One is a physical craving and another is an obsession of the mind because he worked with alcoholics and he realized in his work with alcoholics that when an alcoholic took even a little bit of alcohol into his system, This switch went on inside the alcoholic's body, and only one thing the alcoholic wanted to do, and that was to drink more alcohol. And, of course, the alcoholic would continue to drink and drink, and, of course, he would get drunk. And the alcoholic was powerless over this once that switch turned on. He had no choice. There was no choice but to continue to drink. So, again, we believe and so suggested a few years ago, and this is penned by Dr. William Silkworth, that the action of alcohol on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy. It's an abnormal reaction. It's an adverse reaction. Other people don't have this. We have this. Uh, And other people can't necessarily see that I have it. It's It's an experience that my body goes on High alert, you know, there's an excitement, a rush, you know, uh, that the phenomenon of craving, and of course we touched on that earlier, the only way an alcoholic, the only way I can crave, or the only way an alcoholic can crave is to first put it in his system, and then the phenomenon of craving begins, and is limited to this class, and never occurs in the average temperate drinker. Um. And, you know, when I reviewed my eating history, I could identify certain substances that had that same effect on me. It wasn't just a taste sensation. It's when I ate certain foods, my body triggered into this phenomenon of craving, and I would eat more and more and more of that food. And I stopped feeling, and I stopped thinking, and I numbed out, and I just acted out by eating more and more. Once I took that first bite, That first bite took me. And it goes on to say these allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. That's so important. That means I can't ingest those substances on holidays, on vacations, if I'm ill, if it's my birthday, if it's a great day, if it's a bad day. It doesn't matter. My my disease doesn't take a vacation. My disease is rigid, and it is unforgiving. It is unforgiving. So these allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. That was true for them, it's true for me, and with that I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you,
4: Leia. Janice, go ahead. Are you there, Janice? Okay.
0: Thank, Thank you, you to
2: everyone I am. You're go again. ahead, Janice. Thank you. Thank you, Monica. Thank you. These allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. Yes, yes, that's true. That is true for me. It is as true for me today as it was the very first day that I became abstinent. But what happened to me was that it was a habit I formed and could not break it, and I lost my self confidence. I lost my self confidence. You know, and what happened to me is I couldn't trust myself anymore. Every day, every day, I said to myself, today is going to be different. Today, I'm not going to pick up that first bite. Because it was the first bite that got me. Not the millionth bite, but it was that first bite. And I would say to myself every day, today is the day, today is the day. But guess what? I was relying on things human. Their reliance upon things human, it says. And what I learned, and thank God, right here in this big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, is that I no longer had to rely only on things human. That if I worked these steps, I was going to tap into that power source that I did not have. Because when I could not trust myself anymore, It was demoralizing. It made me desperate, and it permeated all areas of my life. Because then my problems began to pile up on me because I doubted myself. If I couldn't trust myself to not pick up that first bite, if I couldn't trust myself to shut off that phenomenon, then how was I going to live? How was I going to live? And the thing that we know to be true here is Dr. Silkworth saw in these men a new way, that they had found a way to tap into this power. But first, they had to get clean. They had to get clean. And it is no different for you and I today. But you can be abstinent today. If I am any kind of an example of that, you can be abstinent today too. You can tap into that power greater than yourself. You cannot pick up that first bite alone. But together we can do what we could never do alone. My higher power, God, can do for me what I could never do alone. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Janice. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Fran, can you please read a vision for you?
10: Yes, good morning Monica, good morning Vision for you, this is Frank, the Pulse of Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. And you will surely meet some of us as you touch the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you.